1: Today we'll be discussing the very important topic of what the Bible says about true prophets of God versus false prophets, false Christs, and false authorities. I learned a lot about this topic when I was writing my book, and the title is Secret Combinations, Evidence of Early Mormon Counterfeiting, 1800 to 1847. Growing up and as a young person, I never thought I would write such a book like this but the Lord had other ideas. I never thought I would become a Christian for that matter, but the Lord has brought about a lot of unexpected things in my life.
2: You might say, howdy folks, by the way, you might say this is the third of a three-part series related to Mormonism. Two weeks ago, we talked with Russell East about mission work in Utah. Last week, we shared our personal stories of how we came to Christ, and of course we both grew up in the LDS or Mormon Church. And by the way, any broadcast that you missed, you can go on any podcast podcast platform, just type in Biblical Citizen, and there we are. So today we want to talk about Kathleen's book because we hope it'll be instructive on being discerning. That's what this week is about, being discerning. It's critical, critical for Christians to understand in today's world as it has always been how the Bible warns us emphatically about untrustworthy leaders. The Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing, who instead of guarding the flock, exploit their followers often for their own gain.
1: As we all know, we do not yet live in the new heavens and new earth that Jesus promises in Revelation 21, where there's no falsehood and deceit. It seems like deceit is all around us, perhaps more than we ever have experienced before these days.
2: Well, it's true. I think it's true. I agree with that. But I also think it's been always there to a greater or lesser extent. I think of ancient Greece, Diogenes said he burned out his lamp looking for one honest man. Uh, I think we're a little more optimistic than that. We hope there's more honest people than that, and especially in the Christian church. But sadly, deception and falsehood have always been with us. Kathleen, in studying the history of Mormonism and writing her book, Secret Combinations, Kathleen discovered surprising, if not shocking, things about Joseph Smith, who was the founder of Mormonism, who claimed to be a biblical prophet. But first, by way of introduction, let's look at what the word prophet actually means, often misunderstood. In the Old Testament, the prophet always meant someone who spoke for God, typically said, "'Thus saith the Lord.'" or who testified of the Messiah to come. To speak for God was and is a solemn, awesome responsibility that often also means a life of difficulty, suffering, persecution, danger. Just think of Moses having to confront the Pharaoh of Egypt and all that that entailed. Think of the prophet Jeremiah who saw the destruction of Jerusalem and was left basically alone, just a tiny handful of believers to lament that. And so many other examples in the Bible, Jesus spoke about how so many prophets have been hated and often killed for speaking God's truth.
1: But now since the end of Bible times, the word prophet, at least as used by the Puritans and Calvinists, has meant someone who expounds the Bible, which is God's definitive word and testifies of Christ. And did you know that there's a specific test that the Bible gives for a true prophet of God? The Lord gave it early in redemptive history, in Deuteronomy, in chapter 18, f- verses 15 through 22, In the and this is the English Standard Version, the Lord says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord... If the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously and do not fear him.
2: So see, we have two things that true biblical prophets do not do. One, they do not lead people to other gods besides Yahweh. And two, they do not make predictions that do not come true.
1: Well, and it's important to notice here also that that the lord says that his people will be held responsible for following false prophets or not he says and whoever whosoever sh- will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name i myself will require it of him and that's in verse 19 in other words you people you are to listen to my prophet which means the opposite is true too in other words i require you not to listen listen or heed false prophets.
2: So, Kath, we're going to get to Joseph Smith and his claims and compare in a moment. But first, a lot of people ask, what started you writing this book? Because it was a major undertaking.
1: Well, it was, and it was after I became a Christian in my 40s that I really wanted to know the truth about Mormon history and the founder of the Latter-day Saints, who called himself a prophet of the biblical God, now that I knew the Bible better. I had left Mormonism already, having seen a lot of things that didn't hold up. But now I had the biblical gospel. I wanted to share it with my Mormon relatives and friends, if possible. But first I felt I had to really understand where I had come from so I could talk intelligently about it and where Mormonism had diverted from Christianity. I became curious about the origins of the polygamy that had so adversely affected my family, so I started reading about that. And doing that caused me to notice footnotes and side stories. I noticed something about counterfeiting in the histories that I was reading, the journals and so forth. And yes, I meant, I mean counterfeiting money, which is a kind of theft and a serious crime. I started collecting material about it whenever I saw it, when I was reading in the histories. So that, then I started studying counterfeiting counterfeiting subculture in the 18th and 19th centuries. It all began to fit together, and I became a detective. I found more and more evidence that the early leaders of Mormonism were involved in counterfeiting before they ever came forth with the Book of Mormon.
2: Well, that was a revolutionary thesis, and you've been on uh, quite a few podcasts about this. I found it really difficult to swallow for a long time.
1: Well, yes, we didn't want to believe it about Joseph Smith. And I found it depressing at first, too. And it took me months to really accept that some of my ancestors, who were in the innermost circles with Joseph Smith, were involved in this kind of activity. And this is not to diminish the many pioneers and settlers and followers who had no idea that their leaders were doing this. And they braved the wilds of the American West because they believed they had been called of God to do so. So I understand my feeling but why did you find it so hard to accept
2: I think I just kind of didn't want to believe it I mean I have family members that are Mormons and some past friends and I knew these were good decent people I admired and I admire today so I thought Joseph Smith was a charismatic person perhaps he was deluded into believing his own dreams and imagination but he seemed to have founded a worthwhile organization But that was before I realized God's severity towards someone who claims to speak for him but really uses that to gain money, power, fame, favor with the ladies, all of which Joseph Smith did.
1: Well, he did, and it turns out he secretly married over 40 women, at least 10 of whom were married to other men at the time, and 10 of them were teenagers. I found it disturbingly fascinating to unravel Joseph Smith's public persona that he carefully cultivated of godliness and virtue versus the dishonest leader of secret, oath-bound groups that he was from the beginning, starting when he was a young man. He lived a double life, starting very young.
2: And I thought it was interesting. You uncovered evidence that his family was involved in some crime before he was even born. Like, for instance, his father had been arrested for counterfeiting... Before he was even born.
1: Well, yes, and I saw those records in the archives in Vermont. They're available. I handled them and took photocopies of them. It turns out the Smith family was descended from a radical wing of the Reformation that dabbled in the occult, magic, and witchcraft. And we have some of their occult artifacts, and we have lots of records of Joseph Smith conjuring ghosts and doing a trick in his youth where he talked to neighbors into paying him money to, quote, find or lost or stolen goods that he and his buddies had stolen themselves. And he talked people into paying him and saying he could find those by looking into a magic stone. It turns out it, it, that was an old swindling trick that counterfeiters used a lot.
2: So he started on this really young, when he was only 14, and he did the same thing for about seven years till he was 21, in 1826, and then he was arrested and brought before a judge for swindling, and the judge ordered him to leave that county, Susquehanna County, and never come back. So at that point, he realized he had to do something different, didn't he?
1: Well, yes. Many neighbors and observers said that it was because Joseph Smith needed to escape the law.
2: Uh
1: is why he came up with the idea for the Gold Bible, which became the Book of Mormon. And so he and his brother and cousin said they found golden plates in the ground upon which was written the Record of the Native Americans. They claimed it was history written by prophets starting in 600 B.C. But many observers back then, and many people today, recognize it as a work of fiction because they know there are things in it that That cannot be true. There are subtle quotes from Shakespeare or words thereof and passages lifted word for word from the King James Bible. There are anachronisms like camels and horses and other items that make it impossible for it to be written in ancient times as it claims.
2: So you spent about eight years uncovering the real story of Joseph Smith and the early Mormons. You filled in the real story by searching in libraries, archives all over the United States. I remember the one week trip that we both made together to Vermont, and you were in libraries the whole time, and I was looking for moose and fishing and kayaking. I had a great time. I guess you did, too.
1: Well, I did. I found it fascinating. It was quite an odyssey, though. And I was in search of the real Joseph Smith, not the person he pretended to be. After the break, we'll continue our review of my history book, Secret Combinations, Evidence of Early Mormon Counterfeiting. We will examine more about the life of Joseph Smith and the biblical test for a true prophet. Be right back.
0: There is more biblical citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on Cape Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melinakis on K-Praise.
2: We are back telling about Kathleen's discoveries of the history of Mormonism. And we're not doing this just so you're knowledgeable about Mormonism, because some of you might be interested in that and some of you not. But the real intent is that we hope to help us all be more discerning, not only about that particular church about maybe our own church and other Christian churches and comparing that to what the Bible says. So now we're going into history, though, again. So let's place Joseph Smith and his family in the context of their time. Joseph Smith was born in 1805. He founded the Mormon Church when he was still pretty young in 1830. Uh, They came out with the Book of Mormon, and this was during a time of real social upheaval, wasn't it? Wasn't that when the Second Great Awakening was going on?
1: Yes, and I describe what happened more fully in the book, but the Second Awakening was a resurgence of interest in the Christian gospel all across America. Large crowds, like sometimes 10,000 people, would turn out to hear preachers like Charles Finney and others Uh, People would travel miles to attend revivals, and many joined churches and gave their lives to the Lord. 200 people joined churches in Smith's hometown of Palmyra, New York, in 1824, for instance. But at the same time, Freemasonry, which heretofore had been more or less confined to the upper classes, had gained a lot of members from the middle classes and the common man. Lodges had sprung up all over America by this time. The Masons were a secret society who claimed not to be a religion. But their secrets were revealed by William Morgan and his collaborators in 1826 and 1827. When the secret rituals of the Masons were published and their blood oaths and so forth, it caused a huge backlash against them, which became known as the anti-Masonic movement. Eighty percent of the lodges were shut down and there was huge social unrest about it. Joseph's brother Hiram was a master mason, and he and Joseph were in the eye of the cultural storm that was taking place all around them.
2: So we find out if we study history and we, say, we look around us today and say, everything is so polarized. Well, back in this time, it was also very polarized. In broad terms, the more elites of the society pretty much all claimed and appeared to be Christian because that was a popular thing back then. But many of them actually weren't, and they had these secret memberships, they were in these lodges, they had these rituals, they took blood oaths upon pain of death to keep each other's secrets, even, in some cases, each other's crime secret. They did occult rituals, they acted out ritual things like the symbolic murder of Hiram Abiff.
1: Yes, and it was shocking to the public, and even to the lower-level Masons, some of the things that they found out. So... Once again, I explain it more in the book, but during this time, Joseph and Hiram, this is when they founded their church that some called Joseph's Lodge. But it's syncretized, and let's see what that word means. They syncretized masonry and Christianity. That is, they took some elements of masonry and mixed it with elements of Christianity. That's why Masonic rituals ended up in the Mormon temple ceremony. It explains why, that in Mormonism, the goal is to work one's way up to the highest heaven in opposition to the biblical doctrine of being saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: So let's go back to the biblical test for prophets. So Joseph Smith, he added the Book of Mormon to the Bible, then he added on these temple rituals that borrow from masonry. He was leading his followers away from the God of the Bible. He also taught that the Jesus of Mormonism is a created being. He is the natural son of God the Father, not the co-eternal member of the Trinity and creator of the universe.
1: Thus we see that he did not pass the first uh, part of the biblical test in Deuteronomy. Uh, The second part of this test in the Bible says that if someone claiming to speak for him, that is God, makes false predictions— That prophet is not speaking for God.
2: Okay, so let's apply this test to Joseph Smith. So, at this time, by the way, it wasn't just the Mormons. There were a number of other groups springing up. The Jehovah's Witnesses started around roughly around this time, the Millerites, and many others. And they all were predicting or prophesying the imminent return, second coming of Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith and others claimed a prophetic knowledge of when and where. This awaited event was going to occur. Smith claimed that Jesus would return to the Mormon temple they had built in Kirkland, Ohio, in 1836. Then when they moved to Jackson County, Missouri, he predicted that Christ would return there. And then when they moved to Nauvoo, Illinois, he predicted Jesus Christ would return there. And he didn't say the exact date, but he said no later than the year 1890. Of course, the Bible says, No man knoweth the time of my return. You look at Matthew 24. And of course, at this time, we're still awaiting the second coming of Christ.
1: Well, and Smith made other predictions that did not come to pass as well. The problem is that the Bible throughout the Old and New Testaments has pretty harsh things to say about false prophets. Here are just a few of them. Jeremiah twenty-seven fifteen. I have not sent them, declares the Lord, but they are prophesying falsely in my name with the result that I will drive you out and you will perish, you and the prophets who are prophesying with you. And then 2 Peter 2, one, but false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction
2: Actually, if you think about it, Joseph Smith himself did come to a violent end at a fairly young age, didn't he?
1: Well, yes, he was only 38, and the Mormons say it was a mob who killed him, but it's documented that it was the duly constituted law enforcement mechanism at the time, the state militia in concert with the governor of Illinois, who arrested the Smith brothers for suspicion of counterfeiting and treason. They put them in the Carthage Jail. And it's very unfortunate that they did not go to trial. And it's very tragic, the whole story. But the Smith brothers died in a gun battle. And it's described in the official history of the LDS Church. And it's all in my book if you want more details. But let's look at just a few more scriptures about people who claim to speak for God but do not. First John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then Matthew seven fifteen, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And this points out that it's for our own good that we beware of prophets. And Matthew twenty four twenty four, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And then Luke 6, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets.
2: So, if you'd like more information about the Second Great Awakening in early America, the anti-Masonic movement, the life of Joseph Smith and his family, and the Real story of the Mormon Church, Kathleen's book, is available on Amazon.com and on MormonCounterfeiting.com. The title, Secret Combinations, Evidence of Early Mormon Counterfeiting. Just to review, in closing, looking in history, we see new religions arose in the 19th century that used many of the trappings of Orthodox Christianity, much of the same language, and claimed that their new churches were directly led by Jesus Christ himself even though their theology often went directly against a lot of what the Bible teaches. I would say a lot of this is occurring in the 21st century as well. We have churches today that claim to be Christian, or maybe they were biblically Christian in the past, but they now put forth unbiblical doctrines. A couple examples, the prosperity gospel. God is a tool to be used for worldly success or the infusion of critical race theory into churches, which says that we're to feel and express group shame or racial shame for sins committed by distant ancestors. And because our race or our gen- because of our race, I should say, or our gender, we can never be free of guilt no matter what we do. As we've continued to follow the Mormon Church, officially the Church of Jesus Christ of latter-day saints through the years, It appears that the church is actually trying to get closer to biblical or real Christianity, but it continues to be burdened by the doctrines and prophets of its storied past. Most Mormons today that we know try to live moral Christian lives. Many of them are exemplary citizens and neighbors. We know and love many friends and loved ones who do not know the history of their church. They believe they're the true Christian church, and they try to live accordingly. As far as Mormon leaders, it seems there's a greater awareness of the concept of grace, less emphasis put on glorifying past prophets like Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, less said about becoming a future god. The Mormon church even gives away free Bibles now, not just books of Mormon. But the Mormon leaders, I believe, still face a huge dilemma, how to become or at least appear to be more like in the Christian family, but at the same time building ever more Mormon temples, which are central To the Mormon concept of salvation.
1: So we hope this discussion has blessed you, increased your understanding, and we encourage you to pray for our beloved Mormon sisters and brothers that they may take a second look at the Holy Bible, find out what it really says, come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, our only hope and giver of eternal life. To bless your neighbor, Pray against all false teachings coming against the biblical gospel and the Christian church. Become discerning by really studying the Bible so that you can recognize the beautiful, true gospel of Christ and be able to share it with others in truth and love. We'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their response to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about this show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K Praise.